So I think it's important to understand that there are ways in which you can care about what other people think, but the big distinction is separating what is your responsibility to carry and what is not yours to carry. La, 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 Latoya. Uh, uh, what's her name? It's Latoya. It's Latoya. It's it's Latoya. La, 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 Latoya. La, 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 Latoya. <laughs> what's up? What's up? What's up, guys? And welcome back to the Analog Girl Podcast. This is your podcast for your 30-somethings and your 40-somethings. And we are on a quest, y'all. We are on a quest to get our analog lives in this digital-driven world. I hope you guys are well. I hope anxiety levels are low to non-existent. I hope when you're looking into the sky or wherever you're looking at nighttime, I hope you're feeling joyful, blissed. If you're not, listen, we got the anxiety check-in for that and we can do a breathing exercise real quick, okay? I'm not going to hold y'all. Before we get into anxiety check-in, I just want to let y'all know, I just want to say thank you so much for staying consistent with me, You, my day ones out there. Y'all know who you are. Y'all always listen to episodes. You're always sharing with your friends. You're always sharing on your socials. I see you. You tag me. You reach out to me. You DM me. I love it. I love you. Thank you so much. If this is your first episode, listen, when you're done with this episode and only when you're done, you should go back into listen and listen to other episodes. You'll also see that I am tongue twisted all the time, okay? Because it's happening now. <laughs> But when you're done with this episode, don't forget, go back to the other episodes, check me out, check out the stories. You know, this podcast has been, it's a growing podcast. It has transitioned from being super, super raw to super, super (laughs) oversaturated with content. So now I'm trying to just draw it back and be a little more simple with you guys. So, you know, I'm just feeling out what's working for me and what's also working for you guys. So I just thank you so much for listening, new and old folks. And if you have any questions, if you want to hit me up, any ideas of topics to talk about don't forget you can always email me at info at analoggirlpodcast.com and folks will get back to you as soon as possible so with that being said let's just get into the check-in y'all all righty well i hope your anxiety levels are low to non-existent if not you know we always like to do a quick breathing exercise Inhale through the nose on the four count. Hold it on the four count. Exhale through the mouth on the four count. So let's just do that real quick. I'm feeling a little tense in my shoulders. So you might want to roll your shoulders back a little bit. Roll your shoulders forward a little bit. And let's just breathe in through the nose. Hold it. And let's exhale through the mouth. One more time in through the nose. Hold it. And let's exhale through the mouth. Ah, yes. Rolling my shoulders, stretching my neck. I'm rolling my head like a black girl can and just getting all of that tension out. It always just feels so good to take some deep breaths, guys, whenever you're feeling a little tense. And even when you're not, just to get a little relaxed feeling. You know, when I like to take my breaths the most sometimes is when I have a nice glass of wine. It feels really good. Like take a couple sips of wine. If you drink, okay, this is not for folks who don't drink. But if you drink, take some breaths after the wine. Ah, amazing. It feels so good. I just love a little red wine and a little deep breath, breath work. Anywho, that was (laughs) a little random. But how y'all doing? Uh, You know, anxiety levels low. Anxiety levels high. What are we talking about today? How y'all feeling today? 
for me, handling work stress is top notch right now. (laughs) Work is crazy right now. I've been feeling a little off. I've been having some, it kind of feels like the personalization, but not the personalization, like how intense it was three years ago, but I'm feeling it nonetheless. I think that what happens with me is that now, you know, I can see stress coming my way or things that might be stressful and I'm like handling it. But I think my body still gets a little anxious and a little tense, probably with the thoughts that happens and me just, you know, constantly combating the intrusive and the negative thoughts, I think might raise the anxiety sometimes. I could be wrong, but that seems like what's happening to me. I also feel like I'm coming down from being so highly stressed from having the COVID and the surgery and then constantly checking my body out for all these things that doctors thought they found in my body. And by the grace of God, ain't nothing going on in my body. God is good. Insert applause here because I said God is good. (laughs) Whose report will you believe? I am believing the report of the Lord. Okay. Y'all know I'm a church girl, right? So I always got (laughs) to. So if I got to report on good health and good wealth and whatnot, God is always going to get the glory. But I'm realizing that probably with all of this stress of all of that stuff that was happening, maybe my body is now like, okay, well, we don't have anything else to be scared about, but, or my brain is like, we don't have anything else to be scared about, but we were so comfortable being in this high anxiety space that it's like staying there and like maybe, you know, physically it's showing in my body. That could be what's going on. So I've taken that into account and I've decided I'm going to do a juice fast this week so that I can kind of like just reboot my immune system, reboot some energy and just reboot my whole body and my mental space, try to get some clarity and see if that helps because it's just still weird. It's just not bothering me. The DP sensations are not bothering me. It doesn't scare me. It's uncomfortable at this point. And I just wanted to stop. Yeah, that's where I'm at with handling my work stress and trying to figure that out. Now, what I am finding is that like if I'm staring at the computer screen a lot or whatever, and the DP sensation happens, it kind of throws me off and gives me a little dizzy feeling. So I'm like just pushing through that because there's really nothing else you can do. Like you can either panic or you can push through it or, you know, you can sit and ruminate on those thoughts. Like, what the hell is this? Why is this happening? And I am choosing to just push through. I mean, I'm not like just pretending it's not happening. I acknowledge it's happening. It's like, well, that felt a little weird. Okay, whatever. I'm going to continue to send this email. I'm going to push through because it doesn't hurt. It's just uncomfortable. So I just had to push through this place of discomfort. That's kind of really how I've gotten through depersonalization in general. So I've just adapted to those tools that I picked up three years ago when it was like high intense DP going on. So handling that and handling work has been a lot. Okay. It's been a lot. So I'm just like, what the hell is going on, Lord? Can I just get like $5 million and chill? We're going to put that out in the atmosphere right now. Like, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me wisdom on how. Or I, or just give me the money. <laughs> just give me the $5 million. I promise I will tithe. I promise I will take care of your people. I promise that if I don't have to work no more and I got a couple million in the bank and I can just chill, I will do what I'm supposed to do. I will bless the people I will bless your land. I'm just putting that out there in front of all of y'all guys, because maybe he might do it. You never know. You never know. If the Bible says, ask and you shall receive. You know, I'm a church girl and I got to tell y'all. 
So anywho, I done rambled. <laughs> I done rambled, but I am handling work stress a little better. DP has kind of DP sensations. I wouldn't say I'm going through DP, but DP sensations have kind of surfaced and it's tripping me out a little bit, but I'm pushing through and getting through. I'm letting go of the fear. So today's theme in anxiety check-in is graduating in fear. I've graduated in anxiety and the levels that it can happen. The fear, I let go of it. It happens like something might, I feel a twinge in my body. I might feel a little fear about the twinge or the feeling. I let go of it quickly and I let myself know that I'm safe. I have all that I need right now. This is not something that's harmful to my body. And it also makes me check in like, so what's going on in your life right now that might make you anxious? Is there something that you're doing? Can I change my diet? Should I start exercising a little more? Maybe I'm not exercising. Maybe I fell off. Maybe I'm not eating the right shit I'm supposed to be eating. Because if you like me, the Panasonic got everybody ready to eat any and everything, okay? I don't care what nobody telling me. This pandemic has made everybody depressed. People might not think they're depressed or not think they're stressed, but we are functionally depressed folks out here. COVID fucked us up. I don't care what nobody tells you. I truly believe that it's fucked a lot of us up. And we are pushing through and we're out here just trying to function, right? And so with that, for me, is eating. And I have been eating crab legs and fried fish and all that. (laughs) So I know that that can also change a lot in my chemical imbalance with anxiety. So that is something that we also have to be very cognizant about when we start to feel off and start to feel DP sensations again or feel a little disassociated in handling whatever stress is coming your way. What is it that I can do to change this? What am I doing? What have I fallen off on? But not blaming yourself, okay? So so I guess I, I don't want anybody to say, oh my God, I'm doing something wrong. It could just be like, oh, you know, I have been eating a lot of sweets lately. Maybe I should just fall back on that a little bit. Let's see if that changes things, you know? And that's what I do. So you also want to be very kind and do this with ease with yourself. No pressure, no fear, no pressure, no shame in this. It's just a quick check in like, "Mm, maybe I can change this or maybe I should do this or maybe this will change and see how that works for a couple of days. If that doesn't work, let's try another tool, you know, but being easygoing and trying your best to relax in this situation as best as possible. And that's how I've been handling my stress, y'all, you know, and releasing the resistance to fear, like letting go of that and not resisting it. Like, okay, that scared me. But now what? You know, I'm accepting that, but I'm not resisting it at the same time. So I hope that helps y'all because it always helps me. (laughs) It always helps me. And I just want you guys to stay tuned. I hope, you know, stay tuned for the conversation coming up with Amy Smith. AKA the joy junkie, okay? AKA the teacher of how to tell people off without telling people off and without sounding like a dick. It's something like that. (laughs) That's kind of what it is, but you know, stay tuned. Okay, so today's conversation is a very good conversation. It was right on time for me. And I think it's going to be right on time for a lot of y'all listening. Amy Smith, a.k.a. The Joy Junkie, okay? She is a dope 
queen. Okay. I really enjoyed the conversation with her. Really, really love her social media. Really love what she has out here to teach us, what she's done out here to help us and to teach us. She has a book that's called Stand Up for Yourself Without Being a Dick. Okay. And I love this title. You know, I I got a raunchy mouth. I'm cussing all the time, but I love Jesus, y'all. I just love standing in your truth, speaking your truth, being confident in who you are. And Amy is all of that. And she teaches how to do that. In this conversation, we're talking about how not to be a people pleaser and to overthink in those situations and just be confident in the decision that you want to make, not the decision that you make thinking what somebody else wants you to make. Does that make sense? Because, you know, I'm be tongue tips and all the time, y'all. <laughs> but standing up in your truth is essentially what Amy is here to talk about. And standing in your truth and believing it and being confident in your truth is what we are talking about today. So let's just get into that conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it. So welcome to the Analog Girl podcast. This is a podcast for folks who struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD, all those kind of fun things, those fun mental yes. health things that yep. people go through. And I love the whole brand of Joy Junkie. And I just love that you're very much like, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't like it, scram. Mm -hmm. So, and I just, it's a very much in your face, but it's also a very much like, just be who you are and be confident in who you are. And don't be scared to be confident in who you are. And I think that's a very strong message that the Joy Junkie gives. And also by doing all that, you just become this person who's just so joyous. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And joyful. Funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. So just a little introduction of, you know, who you are, where you come from, what got you started. And then we can get into the nitty gritty of the conversation. Cool. So... How did I get to where I am? I mean, very similar to you mm -hmm. in the sense that a lot of the issues that we've gone through or the things that we've had to overcome have really shaped and informed what you start teaching and sharing in the world. And mm -hmm. I think for me, probably the most formative event that happened in my life was in 07 when my father had passed away. And a bit of context prior to that, I grew up in a very conservative, born-again Christian family, very evangelical. And I know we have some similarities and backgrounds with that. And as you've mentioned in some of your previous episodes, a lot of motivation through guilt and fear and things have to look a very specific way or you're going to burn and all of these things. Yes. And... I I got married at 20 and moved out of the house. And so I was kind of living my own separate world in life. And so I would always kind of preface my husband before we would go to see my parents. I would say, okay, no gay rights. We can't talk about Howard Stern. We can't talk about Jon Stewart, like all the shit that we loved and were very liberal. Right. I was like, okay, don't cuss, no drinking, no this, no that when we're around my family. And so we I really started having this facade where I was twisting and contorting and kind of putting up a, a vision or a facade truly of who I was with my family. Mm -hmm. And it all kind of boiled over in 07 when my father passed and my career at the time was I was in makeup artistry. So I knew that I wanted to do my father's makeup for his viewing, for his mm -hmm. funeral. Mm -hmm. So because I kind of felt like it would be such a shitty move to be like, oh, dad, get your own makeup artist when I was fully skilled to do mortuary right. makeup, right? Right. But it's taxing nonetheless. And so 
here I am. I'm doing dead dad makeup, which makes me feel like kind of a fucking badass. And <laughs> I spoke to, to the crowd, you know, of hundreds of people who had shown up for his service. I'm feeling like I was winning at daughter that day. And we get back home to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to say, it just feels like we failed as parents. Interesting. And because, and her reasoning was, was because myself and my two younger siblings had, weren't quote, walking with the Lord, right? We weren't subscribed to the doctrine. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, I kind of, the only thing I could really muster in that moment was, wow, you probably shouldn't say that to a child. Yeah. And she just said, well, that's just how I feel. And another slight bit of context, both of my younger brothers had not gone to school, had both done jail time, you know, trouble with the law, all sorts of stuff. I had been working since I was 14. By all accounts, I was like the good kid, right? Mm -hmm. But here I am being lumped in as a disappointment, as a failure, because I didn't share the same belief system. Mm -hmm. And that was a very poignant time for me because I realized in that moment with that interaction, it's not always an ultimatum. It's not always an I either choose you or I choose me, but sometimes it is. Yeah. And in that moment, I realized, all right, if push comes to shove and I have to choose between making somebody else happy or making myself happy, I'm going to choose me. And the trajectory after that, let me tell you, was some shit because mm -hmm. I wanted to fight about everything. It was like once I let open those floodgates and said, like, this is who I am. This is what I really believe. I wanted to talk about gay rights and abortion. And I want to talk about all the shit that I knew would be really contentious between the two of us. And it wasn't until many, many years later and having to clean up my mess many times that I realized, oh, there is a way to actually speak up for yourself, to establish boundaries, to say, I'm actually offended by that, or I don't agree with that without being an asshole, you mm -hmm. know? And so you can come out of the closet without being a dick about it. You can do <laughs> right. so many different things, these challenging conversations that we think we can't do. You can ask for a divorce with the utmost grace and kindness. You know, these things that we think have to always be acrimonious and biting really don't have to be. So that really was the impetus behind the work that I do now, which is kind of twofold. It's believing in your own enoughness, your own worthiness, believing that you matter first. Yeah. And then the external piece of how do you then communicate that with the outside world? What do boundaries sound like? Tough conversations saying no. That truly is what kind of informed the work that I'm doing now. That is dope. It's awesome. <laughs> you said you listened to the previous episode. Yeah. You know that I struggle with setting boundaries. I don't know what it is. I think it definitely has to do with not being able to have a voice growing up in the household because everything, what I say goes. So there is a lot of fear, like an underlying fear, still traumatic, whatever it is, still sits there with me with setting boundaries. However, if I am pushed to the limit, I will fuck a bitch up. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's like, it's either or, you know what I mean? It's, it's like either I don't, you know, sometimes like as far as like being able to be vocal about my feelings and vocal about how I'm feeling is a lot harder for me than it is for me to have a physical altercation with someone. That's how it was for me growing up. You know, like it wasn't nothing for me to get into a fist fight over in an argument, but to be able to eloquently articulate how I'm feeling and why I'm feeling this way and why I'm setting this boundary is very hard for me to do. It sure. makes me very, very anxious. I think that the whole subject of people pleasing 
And then, you know, figuring out why we people please, you know what I mean? Why do we care (laughs) about other people's opinions so much is what I really wanted to talk to you about, because I think that a lot of people be saying like, I don't care what people think. I don't care what people think, but I think people be lying. That's right. (laughs) Everybody be lying. I think that a lot of the time (laughs) it's like straight lies. Like you do care what people think. To an extent, there's some people who have made it, you know, and finally been like, I just don't give a fuck about what people think. But I think for us who are struggling with anxiety and depression, we definitely care about what people think and how can we cross over that, that barrier, if you will. Well, there's a couple of things to acknowledge. First off is I agree with you when people say zero fucks given. I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's like four or five. (laughs) It's got to be. (laughs) Might not be 10, but it's definitely two or three. (laughs) So I think to that point, I don't ever want to get to a place where I don't care, where I'm so apathetic that I don't have some kind of barometer of emotion, right? Right. Because I know something that you've talked about a lot too, is people who have anxiety are empaths Mm -hmm. and or can tend to be empathic. And that's myself too, or somebody who is a highly sensitive person. That's your fucking superpower. Mm. If you are able to feel that deeply, we don't want to lose that. But what we want to do is we want to guard against anything that might infringe on that or take advantage of that. So I think just first of all, realigning the goal of I don't ever want to care. If something's going on in my marriage, I want to always be connected with my husband enough to care about that. Mm -hmm. If there's something happening with my best friend or my brother or my clients, I want to care. So Mm -hmm. I think it's important to understand that there are ways in which you can care about what other people think. Mm -hmm. But the big distinction is separating what is your responsibility to carry and what is not yours to carry. Mm -hmm. But to your question earlier about Why do we do this? Why do we get so invested? Well, there's a handful of reasons, but one of them is quite primitive. It's that in days of old, when we were primitive man, you could not exist. You could not survive unless you belonged to some sort of organ, some sort of tribe. Like you needed people in order to exist. I'm talking about like caveman days. So that meant that if you didn't have people around you, that meant impending death, right? Yeah. That's also where we get when you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm -hmm. And one of our basic primary human needs is the need for belonging. And that stems from that origin that we needed to nature, right? That's right. And so I think there's also this piece of understanding that, okay, subconsciously on a lizard brain mentality, we make up that if I'm not accepted, I might die. Like that's actually where that anxiety is coming from. Wow. Is if I'm not accepted, if my in-laws don't approve of me, if I don't get this new promotion, if my bestie is pissed, I might die. So no wonder you're getting anxiety. Right. Like no wonder. But we don't consciously think that. We don't consciously go, I might literally die. Nobody thinks that. But we have the same emotional responses. So I'm not sure if you've talked about this much, but I know when you had Juliet on talking about hypnosis, which I also do, Mm -hmm. it's really fascinating when you look at our primitive fear responses. So we have the two that we talk about all the time of fight and flight, right? Mm -hmm. What we don't talk about a lot is the modern iterations. So back in the day when you might be attacked by a mountain lion, 
mm-hmm. right? You are about to die. Yep. You might try to fight it. You might try to flee, run away. You might freeze mm-hmm. or you might fawn, which is sort of a newer one of I'm trying to fawn at that captor, that aggressor to almost like manipulate and, and make them pleased with me. Got you. Now, all four of those have modern iterations. Okay. So fight response has now become anxiety. Flee response has now become depression. Mm. That's why a lot of times if somebody is severely depressed, they go to sleep. They're like, get me the fuck out. I'm fleeing. I'm leaving. (laughs) That's me. Freeze response has now become procrastination. And that's me too. Fawn response has become people pleasing. I'm all of them. Right. And it's, <laughs> so it's highly likely, you know, we look at how things have changed. Okay, go ahead. What, what do you I, I had to come like in a class. So I got to raise y'all. We look me and we're looking at each other. So we're raising our hands, me and Amy. So <laughs> my question is before we move on. So the fawn you're saying is people pleasing. Do we think that people pleasing is along the lines of manipulation? It is along the lines of preservation. Huh. So I don't think that people go out there and try to be liked to be manipulative and to be an asshole. Sometimes they are, but I would be willing to guess that a majority of people out there who tend towards people-pleasing are doing it to take care of themselves. It's a defense mechanism, just like original fight, fight, freeze, fun. Right. 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 But if you think about, if you're in a situation where maybe your boss is chewing you out and you would normally want to like sock him, like fight or her, Mm -hmm. you can't do that. Mm-hmm. that will likely change into anxiety. Yeah. You'll have the fear response, but you're not actually about to die. So it's like this new modern iteration of fear. Yes. So you think about when you asked me that initial question of, I get so fearful of speaking up and that's why I people please. It's a defense mechanism. It's mm-hmm. a way that we can go, maybe I can stay safe. Maybe I can survive. So acknowledging that and understanding that and going, oh, okay, I'm not doing that to be manipulating. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm not trying to actually be a liar, which is what a lot of times people pleasing is. Mm -hmm. Because you're not being honest about how you're feeling. That's right. At all. I'm just trying to stay safe. It's the tools that I had that I learned. And then now we can learn something new. Now we can start advocating for ourselves. But one of the pieces is acknowledging okay, if somebody doesn't like me, I'm actually not going to die. But my body is generating chemicals that are telling me otherwise. Right. Send in the anxiety, send in the fear. Yeah. So as far as being highly invested in the opinions of others, because it seems like this is an ongoing thing. Like this doesn't just stop overnight. So what are some of the things that myself and others can take away from this to say, okay, I'm going to start getting on the right track to not to really giving zero fucks or if I am giving some sort of fuck about something it's definitely not going to be anything that's going to hinder what I feel or it's going not going to take away from me in any way shape form or fashion so how can we get to that well I definitely think you're spot on that it is a process and it's also a practice it's something that you continue to work towards Mm -hmm. the first piece is always awareness Mm -hmm. So one of the avenues, and I think you talked about this in your boundaries episode. Mm -hmm. So one of the first places to look is in how you feel. A lot of times if we are really angry about something, if we're really depressed about something or sad about something, we can check in with our emotions and go, 
okay, I'm really invested somewhere. Let's start looking at it. Another one of the places you can look is just what do you chronically complain about? Because a lot of times if we're really bitching and moaning about something, maybe we're really upset one of our parents and it's our partner who gets an earful about it. Or we're really upset with our boss and it's our sister who gets to hear about it. Mm -hmm. So if you're consistently and chronically complaining about something that you're not giving voice to, that's likely the place where you need to start being vocal and advocating for yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I find that, but it's like I can have friends that I really care about and they'll do something that will like hurt me or hurt my feelings. And it's very hard for me to be vocal with them about it. But I can go and talk to my mom and be like, you know what she did and da 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 and then this and then that. And I can't believe it. Or go to my therapist and dump on all over my therapist, but I cannot face my friend. That's right. Because it's scary, right? It's Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear you on that. And this also ties back to the empathic stuff, because if you are a highly emotionally sensitive person, you will avoid feeling pain at all costs. So if you Mm -hmm. know that it's going to feel so uncomfortable talking to that friend, we're going to avoid, 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 because especially if your emotions are so palpable, it's painful, right? It's intense. And as humans, we have two primary motivators, Mm -hmm. pursuit of pleasure, avoidance of pain. I mean, that's why we eat, drink the things we do. That's why we speak up or don't speak up. It's we're either avoiding pain or we're pursuing pleasure, period. So I have sort of a a metaphor or an analogy that I use with people around, it's a house metaphor, essentially. Mm -hmm. So it's this idea that visualize yourself as though you are a house, you're a home, and you have all these different intricate rooms, and maybe you have this rooms you show everybody, and then the rooms you kind of don't let anyone see. And But this is you. It already has its worth. It already has its value. Mm-hmm. And then people come along throughout your life experience, and they might leave a bag of shit on your porch, right? That is like criticisms, rejection, breakups, getting passed over for a promotion, telling people telling you they want you to be in their life, right? So they come up and they say, here's some shit. Now, what we usually do is we pick that up and bring it into our house and make it mean something about who we are. As in, if he doesn't love me, that must mean now that I'm not lovable. Mm -hmm. Instead of that just sucks. It doesn't have to change the value of the home. So one of the things that I always say is, oh, I'm currently not accepting any piles of shit. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're not bringing that in here. Now, there's another thing that happens where people leave like a beautiful gift on your porch. And that is compliments, accolades, honors, achievements, people telling you how incredible you are. Now you can bring that into your house because it genuinely feels good. But let's not get it twisted. It does not change the value of the house. It just has a different emotional current. Okay. So it doesn't even enhance the value at all. That's right. It just feels Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. So if we can recognize that we are already worthy, we are already enough. And then everything outside of that is just the human experience, which carries emotion. So if somebody breaks up with me, or if somebody tells me they think my work is shit, that's going to hurt. I'm going to emotionally feel that, Mm -hmm. but that does not have to mean I'm not enough or I'm not worthy, but emotions are dramatic. We go, oh, she doesn't love me or he doesn't. I must not be lovable. It's like, no, no, no. This situation sucks. I don't suck. Yeah. 
And the same is true. It's always going to feel good when somebody tells you that your work impacted them or that you helped them so much with their anxiety. Like you're allowed to feel that that doesn't make you valuable or worthy. Right. It stands alone. So there's this piece of emotional intelligence where we have to be with whatever is happening in our world and recognize, okay, emotions are fleeting. I'm not going to feel this way forever. They're highly dramatic. Mm -hmm. But then recognizing I get to mourn if it's sad. I get to celebrate if it's happy. And none of that has to do if I'm enough or not. Right. So keeping that mindset helps you to be able to speak up a lot more easily for yourself, would you say? Yes, for sure. Because believing that you deserve to have a voice yeah, is definitely a key component of that. Now, you can go either direction. You can start with the internal piece of belief, or you can start with the external piece of acting like it and speaking Mm -hmm. up until you get the internal element. So you can go at it whichever direction you want, but you do need to eventually get to that place where no, my voice fucking matters. It, It matters if I have something to say. And the other piece of that, though, is you cannot have courage without fear. Mm -hmm. So you will likely experience fear about what you said, like speaking up to your girlfriend that bothered you. Yeah. Right. But then you go, okay, sweet. Here's an opportunity for courage. And working with that and recognizing, okay, I'm still going to feel scared. I still do bringing stuff up to my bestie. But I recognize that I care more about being courageous. I care more about sending that message to my subconscious mind that I matter as much as somebody else. Yeah, That's what we don't realize Mm -hmm. is that when we are constantly putting everybody else, their wants, opinions, and needs in front of us, it sends that message to us that we just don't matter as much. That's why you speak up is it's a nod to your self-worth. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, speaking as a Black woman, I mean, it's just hard for us, even in the business place to feel safe to speak up. So like this, I think a lot of us are making headway with not even giving a fuck about that at this point, you know, with a lot of awareness, a lot more awareness happening now. So you saying that is just resonated with me a lot just now because, you know, like there's just a lot of fear. Like I have a fear to speak up to my friend or if I speak up at work, I'm the angry black woman. I don't want to be that, you know, like, so you're constantly like, I don't want to be the one that's like there, even in dating with how black men view us as angry black sure. women, you know? So it's just like, I don't want to be that angry black woman. So I try to, you know, compensate and be something else other that's than right. who you are and not trying so hard not to come across being angry. Yeah. So these yeah. are particular ways, these are particular tools to use and a mindset to pick up so that I guess we're not looking so angry. We're just, I mean, maybe looking authoritative or authoritative. Well, so first of all, I'm white as hell, if anybody can't tell that from my, <laughs> from my voice. <laughs> so I don't pretend to be able to speak at all about the Black experience and what right. that's like. Right. But what I will say and what I've really understood, whether it's any system of oppression, whether it's around ableism, ageism, racism, sexism, is that systems of oppression thrive If you feel that you don't deserve to take up space. Mm -hmm. So perhaps one of the most fiercest acts of courage and bravery is to take up fucking space. Mm -hmm. 
what I always think is white men have been doing it for years and been sorely unqualified. So it is time for BIPOC to stand the fuck up and take mm-hmm. up some space. And mm-hmm. it's our responsibility, any white people this, is to give people that platform, to applaud it, to listen to people's experiences that are different than our own. I could get, get going on that, but. I I don't want to discount what you're experiencing, but I also want to say that it thrives by you feeling not enough, but the more you stand into it and you go, no, 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 I'm not going to buy into your bullshit anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take up some space. That's the revolution. Yeah, that is. That definitely is. And sometimes struggle because it's like, I know that I'm enough. I think, well, I don't know what it is because the fear is that I can't speak up and say that I'm enough. Like I feel it and I know it. I, you know, I know that there's something that God has put in, in me that is just awesome. Yeah. And, and I know that when I walk into a room that I know the kind of effect that I have on people. But for me to personally like just say who I am to somebody, that is where the fear comes in. So I've been trying to like pinpoint that, especially with my therapist. Like, what does that all mean? Like, is it just I think it's just the fear of what people are going to think about me when I if I do say that or what if I do say that I'm enough and then fail? You know, what if I say that I'm all of this and then I fail? So I guess it's like, you know, it's I don't know. It's just very confusing to me sometimes when I'm trying to, to get there. But, you know, I'll tell you, I think that there are a lot of people. I mean, that's the primary demographic that I work with is people who genuinely have been battling this fear of I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. And my personal belief is that it comes from largely from religious patriarchal influences that say, especially women, and then disproportionately women of color have to be something very specific to be acceptable into society. So it's like, no wonder you have that and watch me shine. Because I think it says so much about the other person if they're able to hold that, right? So if somebody needs to put you down Mm -hmm. in order to put themselves up, that's not an ally. That's not somebody who's able to hear your truth. So especially if you're feeling fragile around that, Mm -hmm. I always say, speak your truth into ears that can hear you. Start with your alliances, the people in your life who could hear you say that. I am enough. And they'd be like, yes, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. start with those people yeah. and get bolstered in that. Yeah. One of the other things that, that I always suggest too, is something that I have called progressive language. So sometimes it feels like a jump from A to Z to say, I am enough, or I believe in myself. Sometimes that's the critical factor of the mind will kick in and go, Right. Because I have that saying written all throughout my house. I am enough. Yes. Just just trying to make sure that I see it wherever I go. If I see it in the bathroom, I see it on my mirror, my vanity. But I agree. Yeah. Just me like saying, I think there's something like because we I'm 41. So we talk to talking about 41 years of trauma. You know what I mean? Of 41 years of constantly feeling like I was doing something wrong for being the teenage mom or for being, you know, fast ass or whatever I was doing. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree with that. It's you definitely be like, yeah, right. Like, but subconsciously, it's like, yeah, right. That's right. Because what's happening, you know, the way that the mind works is the critical factor of the mind is designed to keep you the same. Mm -hmm. So it registers things that are known or unknown. 
Mm-hmm. And so for decades, it has been known and therefore registered as safe in your mind to people please, to not be a good enough, to here's my role as a black woman. Here's even though it's painful and it hurts, it's familiar, it's known. And therefore the mind goes, let's keep yeah. it here. Let's stay right here. <laughs> right. And so it will send in the bullshit. It sends yeah. in the critical factor, also known as the inner critic to right. go, no, 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 that's stupid. No, you're not going to believe that. Right. But there are ways to get through that. I know you've talked about this too. One of the ways is through repetition. Another way Mm -hmm. is through hypnosis. There's a ton of different things. Mm -hmm. But using a progressive statement could be more of an A to B jump instead of an A to Z. So it would sound something like, I am learning to embrace my enoughness. Mm. Or I am working on accepting my worth. Mm -hmm. Or I am leaning into the belief that I matter or am deserving of happiness, or am lovable. So anything that's like, I'm on my way to, I'm exploring what it looks like, I'm developing the habit of, sometimes that makes us feel like, okay, I'm on my way. I don't necessarily feel like I am for sure yet, Yeah. but it allows you to bypass that sneaky little critical factor there. You know, it allows it to go like, all right, okay, I can buy into that one a little bit. And the kickback isn't so strong. Okay. And I mean, and I guess that's one of the mistakes that I think that I've been making in the affirmations and the rewiring is that I'm going straight for the gusto. (laughs) Like, Like I'm going straight in like, I am lovable. I am desirable. I am beautiful. So I think that's one of the the things that I'm going to go back and revisit a lot of the affirmations that I'm saying and how I'm going to shift them and change them around a bit. Because maybe that's where the break is, because I don't feel like, you know, things are really picking up as fast as they can for me. So that could possibly be it. And I think that that's a lot of us. A lot of us struggle with that, especially the folks with anxiety, because we want shit to happen right away. So it's like, oh, I'm going to say every fucking affirmation that I just learned. I'm (laughs) saying them, I'm (laughs) writing them and I expect them to be wired into my brain in the next seven days. And then it doesn't happen. And then more anxiety happens. So, yeah, I think that's a great point is to revise how you say your affirmations. I do absolutely think there's value in saying like, I am enough or I am beautiful, but it just depends where you are. Because if you feel like that is a bold faced lie because of your current belief systems, Mm -hmm. the kickback is so strong that it's usually hard to follow through. And that's the problem that people have with repetition. They don't do it because it feels like such a bold faced lie. You have to have something you buy into enough to have it on repeat. Right. And then- You can get to that point later where, and I'm very much at that place where I'm like, oh, I know without a shadow of a doubt, I'm enough. Right. And come at me, bro, if you try to tell me I'm otherwise. Right. And, you know, but that was not always the case. Yeah. At all. Interesting. It's all great. I just love learning about this stuff. I just wish that it would, I just wish my brain would start working a lot better and a lot faster (laughs) when it comes to this shit. But it's just all such good information. So you talked a lot about the people pleasing and, you know, how to say no. Yeah. And do you have any kind of any, maybe like one or two examples before we close out on how someone can speak up for themselves in a people pleasing situation or a situation where they need to set that boundary, you know, not sound like a complete asshole or not come across as someone who is not empathetic, Mm -hmm. but still have authority in what they're saying and still stand strong in what they're in the word that's that they're speaking to that person. Sure. Well, I think 
there's a litany of different ways that we need to speak up for ourselves. But one of them is like you mentioned, saying no to something. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that I teach people to go about this is to have a go-to phrase, meaning something that you either write down from what I'm about to say, or something that you craft yourself, you write it out and you rehearse the fuck out of it. Mm -hmm. so that it is starting to be ingrained in that mind so that it's the next thing that comes out of your mind. So Mm -hmm. it might sound something like this. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Unfortunately, I'm not available. I truly hope you can understand. Mm -hmm. Super easy. Very. An invite to, you start with gratitude. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Or I appreciate that you view me as somebody you could lean on for that. Something like that. Right. Unfortunately, I'm not available. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to pass. Truly hope you can understand. That's it. Not over explaining, not, oh my gosh, I have Beyonce tickets. Or we think we have to have these noble things like my grandma's dying or I have tickets to this concert. Something huge to say no. You right. can just simply say I'm not available. Right. I truly hope you can understand. But get that written out and start practicing it. One of the other things that I suggest around saying no is to buy yourself some time. Okay. So the minute somebody asks something of you or, hey, can you take care of this? Can you do that? Will you meet me here? Will you go to this party? Is to say, how soon do you need to know? Mm-hmm. How soon do you need an answer? Turn it back to them. It's clearly urgent on their behalf. So let's ask them, when, how soon do you need to know? If somebody says to me, I really need an answer right now, I will say, you know what? If you need an answer right now, I'm going to have to decline. Because I'm going to have to politely decline because I would, I need some time to make sure that I don't commit to something and then have to pull out because you don't deserve that. Okay. Right. Now, if they say, oh, you can get back to me, then you can take some time. Right. Mm -hmm. But you can also buy yourself time. Like if you're at a family function and someone's asking something of you, can you hold that thought real quick? I've got to run to the bathroom and just get yourself together for a second. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to buy time. Yeah. If you can start playing around with that, but I have found that having go-to phrases is really, really helpful. Another example would be something that we're dealing with a lot right now is people saying really offensive shit in front of you, you know, no matter what it is, political, social, anything. One of the things that I think is important to know is you do not have to get into a full-blown conversation with somebody to speak up for yourself. So if somebody says, I operate under this mantra of, do not allow your silence to make you a liar. Yes, because I am good for shutting down. And again, and I'd be thinking that's to me, I'd be thinking that's the weapon <laughs> in the silence. It's probably not. I always think about what's that message sending? And if me shutting down feigns that I'm complicit, that I agree, that that's okay with me, then I'm being a bold faced liar because that's not okay with me. So I'll give you an example. I Quite a couple of years ago, I was doing some community theater and I was in the green room with a gentleman I was doing a show with. And he showed me a meme on his phone that was a disparaging meme to a mentally and physically disabled child, Mm. which to me is not fucking funny. Like that's not constitute comedy. Right. So in that moment, the easy thing to do, the cowardly thing to do would be like, ha 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 and just walk away. Yeah. Right. But I'm going, do not let your silence make you a liar. So I said, you know what? I actually find that 
kind of offensive. I'd appreciate it if you didn't show me stuff like that in the future. All right, see you later. See you on stage, right? I don't need to debate it. I don't need to get into a big old thing. I just need to say, I don't share that opinion or actually I'm not aligned with that or that doesn't sit well with me. Well, that's just not funny. (laughs) Yeah, that's not funny. I don't find that funny. That doesn't warrant comedy to me. But no matter what it is, if somebody says something political around you that you don't align with, you know what? I actually don't align with that or I don't find myself on that side of the aisle or I don't want to pretend that I'm okay with what you just said, but I'm going to politely excuse myself from this conversation. Yeah. You don't have to get all into it. I've done that with my brother about like gun rights and stuff. And I'm like, I don't share that opinion, but I'm also not going to get into it with you. Yeah. Like, I don't want to argue about this. Like, it's just so you know where I stand. That's right. Yeah. Period. So knowing that, have those statements ready, you know, another one that might be something that comes up in your 40s, if you're single, like family wants to ask, like, are you dating somebody? Are you this? Are you that? Thanksgiving or something. And you're like, I don't want to talk about that with you. I see you once a year and that's (laughs) uncomfortable for me. So you can say things. So know that just because somebody asks you a question, you don't have to answer it. You can say, you know what? That's a kind of an uncomfortable topic for me right now. Mm -hmm. I'd love it if we could talk about how your kids are doing, what your job is like, you know, change the subject. Yeah. But you don't have to answer things just because you were asked them. Yeah. But you have to create a plan. I agree. And I've just been taking notes so that I can just remember these (laughs) things because I need to be getting a lot better. Not that I'm horrible at it. I'm getting better at it. So I'm definitely taking notes. But thank you so much, Amy, for giving us this wonderful, wonderful insight. You actually know your shit. You really, really know. (laughs) You know your shit. I don't. I'm saying actually because it's like you actually know your shit. I don't really know my shit on the podcast. You know what I mean? Like I just go off of life experiences and I'm just like flying by the seat of my pants, but, and learning as I go. So learning from women like you, I really appreciate this. And it's a daily struggle for me to speak up for myself. And one would think that, what you, you're so outgoing, you're on a podcast, you're constantly doing this, you're constantly doing that. And it's just like so hard for me to do it when it comes to loved ones and people close to me. Other people, no problems. Take your head right off. It's not a problem. One thing that you could start implementing is to stop identifying that way, to stop saying, I have a hard time with this Mm -hmm. and to say, I am working on speaking up or I'm embracing my voice or I'm cultivating my enoughness by speaking up because the more we claim this is where I'm at, the more we stay there. Yeah. I mean, you know that. Yeah, I do know that. I was saying, I don't say my anxiety anymore. I say this, I struggled with anxiety, like, because it ain't mine, you know what I mean? So I I don't own this. That's not a thing. It's just something that I struggle with and it's going to go. Yes, I agree with that. So I'm not going to say I'm working. I'm still working towards speaking up better for myself. Um, in the future. So, and I think it's very, very important for us to do because like I said, if when you don't, it just causes all this inner turmoil. And the only person that suffers is me or you or whomever who doesn't, who chooses not to speak up. So yeah, I just got to say thank you. Um, And any other words you want to leave us with? Any gems, jewels, period poos? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think, well, first of all, be compassionate with your journey because I went to coaching school like 15 fucking years ago. So it's, I've been doing this for a long ass time. And I'm not saying that just to you. I'm saying that to everybody listening. So it can be so easy to listen to a podcast and listen to somebody who's an expert, but please know that there's been years and years and years of working on that themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's what shapes you. You know, you can't really have breakthroughs without the breakdowns. 
and shit if I have had my share. So, and I'm still working on it. It's, you know, it's not something like my anxiety doesn't go away. Fear never goes away. And your triggers usually don't go away. It's about how can I interact with these things from a place of power Mm -hmm. instead of worthlessness, you know? That's what it's about. It's in, it, that's what personal development is about is, is it's engaging with hardship differently. So I think that's my biggest thing is any step in the right direction, any little aha moment, any little time that you said, actually, I don't want to go to dinner at that place. I want to go to this other place. Any little step is you sending that little wink to your self-worth. Yeah. That's what you have to remember is every time you speak up, you're saying I'm worthy. Yep. That's why we're doing it. Not to cause waves or any bullshit like that, but to just say, no, no, I can take up space. Yeah. And it just makes you feel so much better when you do. That's right. It does. I'm really enjoying, I'm enjoying speaking up for myself. Good. I'm like, yeah. And don't come back over here with that shit no more either. Okay. That's right. You got one more time. That's the kind of attitude it's given me. So I really, you know, it's there is you feel empowered when you start to find your voice. That's been my experience in the past couple of weeks as I've been very much aware and being more intentional about having a voice and speaking up. So and you're a badass. Like, Uh thank you. (laughs) Say, yes, I am. Come on. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm a yes, girl. Yes, Um, (laughs) you absolutely are. We need people to gas us up, you know, like you need to have those people in your life who are, who are saying, hell yes, you are like, yeah, so yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. I'm just so fortunate that You've come on and I'm sure others will enjoy this conversation too as well. Do you have any books or what are you doing? Are you, do you have anything out now? What's going on with you? Yeah. So basically the place to find me is over at thejoyjunkie.com. That's sort of my little corner of the mm-hmm. internet. Mm-hmm. And uh, junkie is J-U-N-K-I-E. And what I usually suggest is come over there and get freebies. I have a free workbook. Stand up for yourself without being a dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the name of it. There's a free workshop if you're interested. I also have a free hypnosis audio specifically around anxiety and fear that I crafted mm-hmm. when we hit quarantine and started dealing okay. with COVID. So if you go to the joyjunkie.com slash anxiety, you can grab that for free as well. So I just say, listen to the show, listen to my podcast, do all the free shit first. Yeah. And decide if you like, <laughs> if you pick up what I'm putting down. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then, yeah, the, all the directions will be shown to you, you know, if, okay. if you want to dig deeper. Cool. Now, one quick thing before we go, I don't want to hold you, girl, you know, in church, I'd be like, I ain't gonna hold you. I ain't gonna hold you too long. You can be before you too long. But <laughs> I remember because I was telling you before um, we had a prior conversation, guys, and I was telling Amy how I found her years ago, maybe about three years ago when I was starting Analog Girl. And I know you used to do you were doing retreats at the time. Now, at that time, yeah. I, I ain't had a coin. I ain't had a five. So yeah. I was like, well, can't do that. But just wondering if you are still doing that and if you are doing any kind of virtual things right now too as well. Yeah. So I have a kind of a signature program that I've been teaching for about six years now, and it's called Deep Down and Dirty. Mm-hmm. And it is all about really everything that we've talked about today. It's about untangling those deep-seated beliefs around worthiness mm-hmm. and enoughness. And then we move into identity work, who you want to be in this world. And then a lot around communication. How do you speak up, saying no, tough conversations, all of that. 
And there's a hypnosis element to it as well. And that is all virtual right now. And the way to learn more about that is through the workshop that's on my website. So you go and watch the workshop and I say kind of, here's what I do. Here's the work that I do. And at the very end, you have an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team. And then you can explore a little bit more about Deep Down and Dirty. But the first step is the workshop. If you're interested in digging deeper, I haven't done in-person retreats since 2018. Really? Okay. I definitely need to wait until... COVID calms its ass down? Well, absolutely. (laughs) You know, yes, I'm not trying to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. But I would like to do that again. I think people are going to be ready because we're craving human connection and we're Zoom fatigued, right? Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, Deep Down and Dirty is my baby. That's my big piece of work that it's actually the only thing that I do currently because I got really clear about this a few years ago that I really only wanted to work in massive transformation. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it to just be, you know, a small class here or just a one-off session here. I wanted transformational experience. So I threw everything into that. That's great. That's great. I'd love to get along the line. I can't wait until I finally get get the whole procrastination thing out the way and I can just start doing some like retreats and stuff like that too. I think that's super, super awesome. And I love that. So just thank you for everything. Thank you for your insight and your encouragement. It's really enlightening. Well, good. Yeah. The world needs you, girl. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you so much, Amy, for joining. 